It's a long haul. You're going to need a bunch of tools to help you in that process and to put one foot in front of the other and to elevate yourself and elevate your business and your staff to a new level. It's not overnight. Nothing happens overnight. It's a long, meaningful, deeply meaningful grind, but it will take some time and it will take a whole lot of creativity to get where you need to go. Welcome to the Seven Hats Podcast. My name is Yuval Selleck. And I've been on the entrepreneurial roller coaster for over 20 years. I've experienced it all throughout my journey the grind, burnout, failure, and ultimately, success. The turning point for me was realizing that building a successful company is meaningless if you neglect the other significant areas of your life. So today, I'm inviting you to join me on an adventure through those seven areas, what I call seven hats. Every week, my guests and I will drop valuable insights and pearls of wisdom, helping, motivating, and inspiring you to get your seven hats in order and deliver real impact with meaning. So let's get going. Welcome, seven hatters. Today, we dive deep into hat number four, the entrepreneur's hat, as I interview my guest, Nir Bashan. Nir is a world-renowned creativity expert. He has taught thousands of leaders and individuals around the globe on how to harness the power of creativity to improve profitability, increase sales, improve customer service, and ultimately create more meaning in their work. Nir is a published author. He has worked on numerous albums, movies, and advertisements with famous actors and musicians ranging from Rod Stewart to Woody Harrelson. And if that wasn't enough... His work on creativity has won him a Clio Award and an Emmy nomination. Let's dive again into the seven hats and uncover the creative mindset and how you too can become a creative genius and grow your organization in ways you never, ever imagined. Yes, creativity is that powerful. Welcome, Nir Bashan, to the seven hats. It's really great to have you. Thank you, Val. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm really excited. I've heard a lot about you. I'm sure the seven hatters out there are going to be interested in your journey and your story. So I think we should begin just by understanding what was the dream growing up? Um, And really the question, when did you find yourself craving the punishment that (laughs) it takes to become an entrepreneur? (laughs) You know, I honestly, I thought it was going to be a lot easier uh, than it, than it turned out to be. I thought it was going to be a lot easier. I actually started in the creative fields because I thought it was going to be fun. I thought it was going to be a party, a nonstop party. And I found out that, you know, nothing is further from the truth than that. So when you started, you speak about your first business as a child. So tell us a little bit about that business, what it taught you. And then I'm assuming you went through, you know, through schooling. And then did you finish school? And then what happened when you finished? Did you get your first job? Where was it? Give us a little bit of an understanding of what field you were thinking of getting into. And how did that transition a little bit so we get a little context and backstory? Yeah, definitely. So I started going door to door washing cars in Los Angeles in the 80s when I was nine years old. And it was a very interesting type of business, right? Because most people didn't want to give their keys over to some kid. And yet we wanted, you know, I, me and my friend, we wanted to make $5 so that we can do stuff, you know, that nine year olds want to do. What I learned was that I didn't do a lot of car washing, but I did a lot of crap that people wanted done. 
because nobody wanted to hand their keys over to a kid, but they did want to get, you know, the trash can cleaned or the garage, you know, organized or whatever. And so we ended up doing a lot of things that were not car wash things, yet we were able to make a business. And it was there and then that I discovered that being creative is the key to life, right? Is the key to being an entrepreneur, to being successful, to being able to reimagine yourself in the times of COVID or, you know, a bad economy or whatever it is. From then on, I discovered that if you're able to be creative, you're always able to change and adapt and stay fresh and relevant. And so I thought that, hey, you know, if I do that, then it's going to be really fun, right? I'm going to have fun the rest of my life. So I went to music school, which is like number three on the worthless, most worthless degree list. And music school in what sense? Were you a musician? Were you writing? What's the genre of music? So I was a double bass major at USC undergrad. Go Trojans. Fight on. Nice. And uh, electric bass, I'm assuming, not the big double bass or like double bass. I started in and then I moved to electric bass and then I moved from that to the audio engineering program because they were like, no, it was a classical music program back then. It's not anymore. It's crazy. But it was very, you know, they were trained first chair violins. And now it's totally different. But when I was there, it's very traditional and I didn't really fit in. Again, because I wanted to have fun, right? Let's creative people have fun. They're wild and crazy. So I graduated school and worked in recording studios a lot as an engineer, as a producer. I worked on a ton of hip hop albums. Why hip hop? I have no idea. But I kind of fell into that loop. And, you know, the hip hop guys would call me because I was on somebody else's album and they saw me and And I discovered kind of like a, you know, a truck just ramming into a building, right? Like just it hit me really hard, Yuval, that it's not a party. It's very structured and organized. And I started to say, you know, hey, wait a second. I remember this from when I was a kid. You know, we we had to have kind of an organized structure and all that. And now all of a sudden, here I am again. It's the same thing. I thought it was going to be fun. I thought it was going to be like a music video with people partying and having a good time. And it was very serious, very serious material. You know, people would get into the studio at 9 a.m. You would work till noon, take a break, you know, have six, seven different ideas of what you wanted to do that day and on and on. And it was very, very organized. And I discovered that in order to be creative, it's not about what people think, you know, a wild party or crazy times or meditation or aligning your chakras or something like that, you know, which if that worked for you, then great. But for me, it was finding out that there's a formula, a formula for creativity is what I learned very early on. And it's what I still do today. And we'll get into that in just a couple of minutes. So when was your first business idea? Like when did you actually go out on your own? So I worked in, in, I had my first business was a furniture refinishing business for Hollywood. So you use the same desk over and over. There's like five companies in Hollywood. If you watch movies or TV, uh, Netflix, whatever, you'll see that it's the same looking desk desk. over and over. It's the same desk. (laughs) Right. And so what they would do is they would paint it different colors or refinishing it in different stains. So that's what I did. I I worked for for different studios and we would refinish the tables and the chairs and the desks and all that stuff because it was all the same furniture that went out over and over again with different uh, looks. And uh, that was uh, that was an interesting business because I thought, again, I thought like, oh, man, it's going to be a party. It's Hollywood. Right. Great. There was nothing, nothing about a party. It was 
very serious. It was well organized. You know, we had payroll to make, cash flow to manage, and all these amazing business things that I didn't think would happen. And so uh, I learned very early on that, hey, this has to be organized. This can't just be chaos. It can't be creativity and, and all this stuff. And it was a, it was a learning experience. I'll tell you something. You just brought up a really interesting point about entrepreneurship and business. Everybody goes into business like they go into having children. Oh, it's going to be great. But it never is because 95%, maybe 90, I'll give you 10%. 90% of your day is structured, organized, and difficult, and the grind. And only 10%, 5 to 10% is when the party happens and success happens. But really, for the most part, as I just heard from the first two businesses that you were in, you expected one thing, you got something different. And I think that was great in order to understand, well, how do you cultivate that? So then you had a furniture business and then you did what? I did the furniture business. Then I, I opened a production uh, company and I went to work for different. I did work for Discovery where we had a production company where we made pilots for their reality shows. And again, you think this stuff is going to be like wild and crazy and it's not. We had a certain time to start, a certain time to stop, a certain rhythm. There was a way to become creative in a very mechanical way. But that mechanical way allowed you to differentiate your product or service from someone else's. And it was amazing. And I started thinking about all these things that I was learning and I started writing them down. I, I'm a big proponent of writing stuff down all the time. And I noticed that I started having a list and people would ask me, hey, how did you guys do that? And how did you do this? And that was really interesting. And I'd be like, oh, it was easy. I just did this, 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 and the other thing. And they'd be like, what? How, can you teach me how to do it? Because I don't know how to do it. And it, it was funny because I would... I was out there in Los Angeles. I was asking people a lot that I admired. I would ask them, you know, the person who owned this company that provided that service or this person who did that product. I would ask them, guys, you know, this is really creative. How did you do it? And nobody would give me the, the answer, right? They wanted to guard it like it was their own secret sauce. Like, oh, I'm not going to tell this guy how I'm doing it. It's like, well, why not? And the feeling was... Well, because you're going to take it and you're going to steal it and you're going to do something with it. I kind of learned that, hey, maybe I'm onto something and maybe we should get this out into the world, Yuval, instead of just keeping it, you know, to just a few that. people. I love that. And I think that's the whole point of what I'm trying to do with the Seven Hatters. Yeah. Uh, is that, you know, we have a bunch of entrepreneurs that are pretending to be the shit and they're not. Okay. Information is so prevalent in this world that no one really has anything new to say, okay? It's the <laughs> messenger and they're just repackaging it in their own way, okay? No one's coming out with this, these innovative marketing ideas. You know, you've seen these marketing gurus. You know, that shit's been happening years ago, you know, back in, in the day. It's packaged a different way with different software or different yeah. ideas. But it seems to me that you, you have a need now, a desire to get out of kind of the business world and really focus on helping entrepreneurs with creativity because you've learned it right through through the the ups and downs through knocking your head against the wall correct more downs than ups more evolve. downs than ups and we'll cover that so let's let's talk about let's get the basics of creativity okay how do you define creativity and is creativity a universal skill or is creativity subjective and everyone is creative in their own way so the definition of creativity for me is the ability to solve problems in a way that nobody has been able to do before. And creativity starts, you know, 50, 60,000 years ago with a woman named Harriet, who was the world's first creative human being, right? 
and she was being attacked by a beast stronger and more powerful and all this stuff. And she was able to take a stick and a little arrowhead and put the two together and fight the beast. And so I believe that creativity is ingrained deeply within all of us from our ancestors. It's what the gift of life really is all about. It's the ability to solve problems to keep us alive. And so we're all born creative. And somewhere along the way, we've lost our ability to become creative or to tap into that creativity or to solve problems creatively. What we have, especially in business, which is what I focus on, is a lack of innovation, a lack of new ideas, a lack of creativity in solving problems that nobody has done before. And I talk about a lot of these cases in my book, a ton of them, called The Creator Mindset. And there is ways that we can use, pretty simple, to encourage that creativity and refine and rediscover that creativity that we all had, but we've lost as adults, in order to be incredibly effective in our business, no matter what we do. And yet, what, what do we do? We spend time complaining. We bitch and moan. We say, oh, the competition is, it's a race to the bottom. I hear that so much, you all, like with my work and with my uh, clients whom I love. It's generally near to race to the bottom. Our margins suck. They used to be better last year. They're, they're going down, COVID, blah, blah, blah. And my reaction is always, let's look inside the business and find what creativity we can generate, what stone we left unchurned that can yield amazing creative results, let's find it. It's entrepreneurs looking for resources yet they have to be resourceful because the resources yeah. are not the answer. And yeah, we'll talk and, about and, that because that's mostly the analytical aspect of the brain. Yeah. And it's all, it's, you have everything you need, Yuval, and your listeners have everything they need right this second to become more creative in order to solve problems at their business their work, if they're, uh, you know, on the career path somewhere, you have it in you. You just need to relearn how to use it. We've skewed too far over to the analytics. The brain and function of business has become an endless spreadsheet. We need to disengage from the spreadsheet and re-engage the creative side in order to solve problems better. So as you started your entrepreneurial journey, were you naturally creative or did you lose that? I lost it in the beginning and I relearned it just like everyone else. I was, hey, look, you know, I'm running a, this company and I'm going to stick with the spreadsheets. And all I did was look at, you know, the P&Ls and, and what we did in quarter two. And we were like in quarter four, right? I'm like, oh, but the answers are always in the past, you know? And so I learned that you can't run a business looking in the rearview mirror because the reports are only as good as, you know, when they were written. And a lot of them were written two weeks ago, three weeks ago. And especially today, you got to constantly be uh, flexible into what's going on. So I learned the hard way, man. Um, there's no, you know, I'm not going to sugarcoat it to, to your listeners. This isn't an easy process. My book is about get rich slow. Okay. It's get rich slow. And I know that's a completely unsexy message right now. And everybody wants to hear near, you know, I want to get rich fast. What are the three things I need to do to invest in real estate and become a multimillionaire by next Tuesday? It's like, that's not me. And if your listeners know that guy or gal or whatnot, that program, please send it to me because I want to be rich too by next week. You know, I want to, I want to get rich quick. But the, the truth is, Yuval, is there is no system, there is no method that will 
get you there quick. There is none of that. And I think we need to do a better job as entrepreneurs, as business owners, speaking out about how, hey, time out, guys. It's a long process. It's a long haul. You're going to need a bunch of tools to help you in that process and to put one foot in front of the other and to elevate yourself and elevate your business and your staff to a new level. It's not overnight. Nothing happens overnight. It's a long, meaningful, deeply meaningful grind, but it will take some time and it will take a whole lot of creativity to get where you need to go. I love that message. And I think that's so poignant because for me, I've been at this shit for 20 years. And I've been working 80, 100-hour weeks, right? Just grinding, trying to figure it out. And overnight success does happen after 10, 15, 20 years of work and extreme work. And then you can see overnight success because we look at the Mark Zuckerbergs out there and we look at the Elon Musks out there. After four or five years, they create something brilliant and all of a sudden they become really successful. But the problem is there are millions and millions and millions of businesses being created every single year, and only a handful become successful by chance, being in the right place at the right time overnight. You know what that is? That's zero. If you divide the number of successful businesses that happen within a five-year period and then all the other businesses, you get 0.00000 something, right? And that's the deal. So, well, let me ask you this. How are creativity and emotional presence, meaning being in the now, as Eckhart Tolle speaks about, how are they related? So creativity allows you to deal with issues that happen in the now, right? A lot of times people don't know what to do, right? We don't know what to do. We get together with our staff. We get, you know, a, a message from the board. We, we get a impetus, some impetus, some market or environmental uh, stimulus comes in and then we have to do something, right? And a lot of people are a little hesitant, right? Like, what do I do? I don't know what to do. Uh, And I'd be lying if I told you that I know what to do. But there are some tools that you can use to help you understand, you know, hey, what's going on and, and what you can do. So absolutely, creativity deals with the now, the moment, uh, and enables you to pick from a tool, uh, a group of tools, a possible solution to this uh, problem. So being able to tap into your higher self, in a sense, being able to tap into the solitude, the quiet of the present moment, at least in my book, and I'm, I'm sure it is for you, is a huge catalyst for creativity. Because when I'm rushed and just in the moment of the work, I never get that spark of genius as when I step back a little bit. So would you agree with that? Absolutely. There's ways to do it, right? And and there's ways to do activity instead of waiting for it or going, oh man, I gotta, you know, find time. And there is no time. You will never find time. There is, it's something that you need to incorporate into your day-to-day existence. So yes, absolutely. You need to make time for these things and you need to incorporate them into your day-to-day habits. So when you were in your grind, right, being an entrepreneur. What do you mean what, were? Are. Let me rephrase that. So when you are, but we're going back a little bit. So when you were in your grind back, years back, what did you experience that caused you to conclude that being analytical is thwarting your chances of finding creativity? You know, it really was a, uh, a moment where the, the production company that I owned went out of business. 
And it went out of business because my analytics showed me, Yuval, that everything is going fine. Um, we just sold a movie to Universal. Uh, that was going really well. And I had staff come to me and say, Nir, we got to do something different. We got to change it up. And I was like, why? Look, look, everything looks good. We just, that's a record profit. Here's, you know, what we're putting out. We should, uh, you know, revenue and, and everything looks good. And I was literally fooling myself into thinking that the analytics showed anything other than what a snapshot of what happened in the past. Because when people were telling me, on uh, very smart people on the staff, like, hey, you got to do something. You got to spin this off. We need an auxiliary product or service. We need something similar. We need to do A, B, and C. This is how we're going to get more market penetration in this area. This is how we're going to take this product and make it, you know, uh, uh, into the 2.0 and, and on and on. I was like, yeah, it's good. It's fine. We're good. Everything is good. We, we just got this big amount of revenue. Profits are good. Everything's fun. And I literally just ran it into the wall, man. I, I, I didn't do anything. I was so comfortable in the analytics that I didn't think creatively. And so that was a, probably a life-changing moment where I noticed that who cares how much revenue is coming in? Who cares? Uh, revenue is a reflection of what happened. I don't know. What's your sales cycle? Six to 12 months? Uh, most people are, are in that unless, you know, some people are shorter. Some people are longer than that. Okay, great. That's an indication of health from the past, whether it was a minute ago or six months or a year ago. So some of these sales cycle things are really, really important to know that they're not indicative of the future. They're indicative of the past. And when you look at things analytically only, you lose that sense of creativity, that sense of wonder, that sense of viewing the world as it can be, not as it is. And you run yourself into the ground. So I notice that if I stay analytical only, then I go out of business. But if I embrace analytics and creativity, I do well. So you're going to have a bunch of analytical entrepreneurs listening to this, and they're going to say- I already get the emails. Yeah. And they're going to say, what do you mean I have to be creative? So the question is, is being creative really necessary for everyone why can't you just be analytical? So you need creativity in order to become the better you, the, the more impressive you, the growth you, the revenue generating, profit generating you. Uh, if you stick with analytics only, at a certain point, you're going to level out. Every single business in the entire world levels out when it reaches a certain density. Most businesses, if you're not growing, you're dying. And people don't really understand that. They, they're like, Nir, everything's cool. I, I didn't understand that. Yuval, I, I was doing great. You know, we just sold this thing to Universal and they were, it was great. And I didn't know, I didn't, I thought it was great, but it was not great. It was a slow decline of my business that I didn't even notice was going on because I was so happy because we got this huge, huge uh, amount of revenue. What it is, is every business is in a constant state of decay unless it's growing. You need creativity in order to keep growing because the idea or whatever that generated that amount of success is only as good as what worked yesterday. And what will work tomorrow needs constant refinement. Unless you are constantly refining or unless you are setting up your business for a sale, which some people do. I, I, I work with those people. They tell me near. It's great that you're getting us creative and stuff like that, but this business is literally set up for someone to come in and buy. 
And then, you know, that's that's kind of a, a gray area. It's like, well, what do you do? Do you really innovate or do you kind of keep the lights on as long as possible so that somebody swoops in? But I would argue that keeping even the lights on as long as possible takes some creativity. So, it, you know, unless we're creative, we're going to plateau. And so you, for your analytical listeners right now, I'm sure they get it that, you know, there's a certain circumstance that has worked to get them where they are. But unless they engage in creativity, they're not going where they need to go tomorrow. So in, in and I think what you're going to see is creativity arises. And this is kind of my next question. Creativity arises based on failures in your life. Right. So can you tap into some like a really huge failure where your creative process got you out of it or allowed you to move forward in your journey. Do you, do you recall any, any some ma- such major event? I think the, event? the production company that went out of business was a huge failure. You know, it could have, we could have kept it running, especially now with, you know, Amazon and Netflix and they're buying shows like crazy. So uh, I think that was a big, 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 big failure. Uh, what I learned from it was to stop looking at the analytics and start combining creativity. And again, I started keeping a list of things that, you know, are necessary for creativity. Things like uh, celebrating the little victories. I never used to celebrate little victory. And it's something that your listeners can do right now to become more creative. What do you do? You start to look at your business or your product, your service, and look at those little increments that are successful. We all, as entrepreneurs, as business owners, set mile high goal, right? We set our North Star. In two years, I want to do this. In five years, my five year, you know, on and on. And those are good, but they're analytical. But at a certain point, you got to look and start connecting little, little dots because they might not lead you exactly to that five year. And that's okay because they might even be better than what that five year would have led you to. So you need to be aware of all of your little victories. Another thing that I think is great that your listeners can do today is to start to use a concept I call micro listening. A lot of people in business today want feedback, like, how is my software doing? What is the market telling me? And so they listen to everybody, right? And it's not really creative to listen to everybody. You want to listen to like a handful of people, right? Because everybody's opinions are like, uh, you know, what? And everybody's got them and most of them stink. So you really want to focus on a few different micro listening techniques in order to get the feedback that is really proper for your business or your service. Sometimes listening to too many people at once can dilute your effort and your message. Uh, And another thing that I really like that, that your listeners can do today is understand that creativity is all about uh, effort. It's all about grabbing a pencil and a paper or a pen and doing the work. You have to do the work. I tell people, write something down every week that has done well in your business. Just every every day if you can. But yeah, once a week, just write down, hey, this went well. Had a good call with a vendor. That's good enough, right? And then after a month or a week or however long, look at the three or four things that went well. And I promise you, you will see a theme there. And that theme is creativity. It's your ancient Harriet creativity from the cavewoman days trying to get out of your body and trying to implement itself. And those four things that you write down or five things at the end of the week are exactly what it is that you need to be focusing on instead of that five-year goal, instead of that, oh, you know, here's the big milestone. You'll notice a pattern that these things will come easier to you than all of the other things. And you'll say to yourself, you know what, maybe I could just 
steer the business slightly into this direction because we're really good at this. You might think that you're a software company, but really, you know, you are good in B2B, connecting two vendors together and having them march. Maybe that's the direction you should be taking. So that's something your listeners can do today to become more creative. I love that you uh, you mentioned the uh, trinity of creativity, at least the top version of it, for, and I'll get to that in a second. So you work with geniuses all the time, right? And Or at least what the world deems as geniuses. But you notice something really interesting in how us mere mortals compare to them. So tell us a little bit about that. So I work with some of the smartest people on earth, which is kind of a, a, a blessing. And I, I really... I started to put together a a list of what makes them really successful. Again, I like writing stuff down. It's not about writing it down and then saying, oh, look, I made a list. It's about triggering different parts of your brain that involve a pen and a paper and writing stuff down that helps you with memory and all kinds of other amazing things. But I've noticed that some of these people that we all admire are incredibly deeply creative in their problem solving. They look at a problem with the language of positivity instead of looking at a problem like I do or, well, I do most of the time, even though I know better, uh, by going, shit, this sucks. When you start to look at a problem in your business as an opportunity instead of a real problem or a negative problem, then the amount of creativity that is generated by your natural brain is enhanced. When we look at it Like, oh man, this sucks. Zero creativity, zero ability to solve problems. When we look at it inspiringly or, hey, you know, why is this happening? This might be happening for a reason. Let's go with it a little bit. Then you unlock creative opportunities. The most successful people in business look at problems through the lens of positivity. Great. This has happened. Now, how do we get to the next stage? Instead of what, you know, most people do, which is, They look at it and they look for someone to blame or, you know, our processes didn't work this time or, you know, always an internal, sometimes an external culprit. We got to find who did it and punish them. But when we use the language of positivity, when we look at any problem in our business as an opportunity, we enable growth. We enable creative growth. The English language has more ways to describe negativity than it does positivity. More ways. For every positive word, there's 10 to 15 more negative words. I researched it. I looked at it all over the world. And it turns out that English is not the only language. It's every language on earth. Every language on earth has more ways to describe negative things than positive things. For every good, helpful, fantastic, wonderful, there are 10 to 15 negative words that describe the same situation. So I ask you, Yuval, and I ask your listeners, when something comes up, what are you going to do? Are you going to choose one of those 15, 20 words and then go down a negative path? Or are you going to choose the rarer, you know, the more uh, rare words that are positive and say to yourself, you know what, this situation is perhaps not great, but what am I going to, how am I going to describe it and what am I going to look at it as to allow for creativity to take hold? That was awesome. I'll tell you why, because I'm a proponent of not just positive thinking, because positive thinking is forcing yourself to think positive. Right, right. But it's a little artificial. It's a little artificial. Oh, look at me. I'm positive. No, you're not. You're really depressed. But really kind of honing in, you know, when I know you're positive, when every cell in your body is positive. 
Yeah. Right? And you kind of get that. So are you saying, though, that based on your work with really, really successful creative people, you're saying that anyone can tap into or learn to be as creative as the best of them? Steve Jobs, Picasso, Stevie Wonder? Yes. Everyone. So everyone could be that genius, that spark of genius. Yes. It just takes work. You got to work at it. Again, there's no get-rich-quick scheme here. It's get-rich-slow, right? So there's processes that you need to put in place. Absolutely. There is no amount of creative genius, whatever it is that you want to uh, ascribe to that you cannot gain. You just need to put in the work. You need to put in the time. And by the way, it might not be Steve Jobs. It might not be, you know, those types of people, the Elon Musk of the world. It might be, you know, that you're a researcher working on a cancer, right? And it's not about being a household name. It's about curing cancer. It might be the dry cleaner here by my house that, that does a lump sum instead of an a la carte invoicing, right? All dry cleaners invoice per parcel. A blouse, this much. Skirt, this much. A suit, this much, right? Why not do a lump sum model, which is what they do? They charge me $29 a month. You come in every day. You come in once a month. And I love it. I pay the 29 bucks and I go in there. I, you know, I'm sure some people abuse it, right? There's the 80-20 rule. 80% of the people will do you know, will be good customers and that kind of stuff. 20% of the people will come in every day, right? That, that, there is that sort of, you know, rule that might happen, but I don't know. I, you need creativity in everything that you do and not just, you know, uh, you don't need to be a household name. So let's speak about a topic in your book. I started reading the book. I, I got to say, it's awesome. It's great. But in your book, you speak of the trinity of creativity, and you kind of tapped into it a couple of questions earlier. Concept, idea, execution. Can you explain how this framework increases the likelihood of you finding creativity kind of on a high level if you give a brief overview? Because I thought that was an awesome way of looking at um, at business. Thanks, Yuval. Yeah, so the trinity of creativity is the method that has come from hard, hard, hard work over the last 25 years of getting it wrong every time and finding how these people that I admire got a formula for creativity. The concept of the largest view of your business or your product, service, whatever. The idea is the medium level view and the execution is your skew. That is your product or service that someone buys and you make a transaction on. And so when we look at creativity and we want to increase creativity, we say, okay, our execution is the double crust meat lovers cheese pizza, right? Whatever. You're a, a food service business. Okay. And what's the idea behind that? Well, the idea behind that is tied into your DNA. It's who you are. It's who the company is. It's not going to be the same for two different people. It's not going to be the same for two different companies. And so defining what that idea is to you is incredibly important. Uh, I consulted with a, with a food service company. I did this exercise with them and their idea turned out to be uh, comfort food, right? So you can you can go anywhere, but the execution is that particular pizza that sells well, and the umbrella uh, idea is comfort food. Well, what's above that, right? Why are we doing this in the first place? And so uh, concept then becomes whatever, again, it means to you. The concept in this case was sustenance, people who were starved all over America because, you know, they relied on getting this pizza every day at six o'clock. Right. Every day at six o'clock, somebody showed up at the door and fed this family or this elderly person or whomever it was. And they were sustenance as a concept. The idea was comfort food. Their execution was pizza. And then I said, okay, guys, 
Let's write this all down. And we wrote it down and we circled those three sort of uh, anchors. And I said, okay, what do we want to do? And they're like, well, we want to sell more products. What do you think we want to do? Like, we, we want to stop paying you what we're paying you, right? So that you paying what we're paying you can end up in more profits for us and more revenue and stuff like that. I was like, great, guys, I love this. Let's figure this out. And so how do we get more revenue? What do you want to do? And, and they're like, well, we need more products. You know, this meat lover cheesy might not sell tomorrow. It's like, you guys are already thinking creatively. Let's go. And so everybody started writing down comfort food. What are some ideas around that? And somebody said, oh, chicken soup. And somebody said calzone. And everybody got excited. We circled calzone. What's that about? And then we started talking about how that fits into the production, you've all like, do we have the recipe? Do we have the ingredient? Do we have inventory? Does every store have enough in it to launch this new product? Who's the chef? How are we going to get it tested? Where are we going to test it? What market? They got really, really, really excited. Finally, we had another execution. We rolled it out uh, and it did incredibly well. And so this is a process of doing creativity. It's not a process of, you know, getting inspired or, you know, going on a long walk or something like that. This is about doing. And it's really a concept, idea, and execution way to constantly do creativity. Your listeners can do it today. Right now, you're listening to the show pull over the car, turn on the hazards, write down your concept, your idea and execution, and then start to edit it depending on what it is that you want. You want more market penetration? Great. Start editing in that. You want to grow the business by selling more? Great. You want to do licenses instead of a lump sum for the software? Okay. Why? What's, what's going on? Writing it down, circle it, concept, idea, and execution. Then you will tap into your inner creativity, which will give you an endless stream of ideas. I get people who send me emails that tell me, dude, I do this multiple times a day. I'm in a meeting, I'm a decision maker, and I'm stuck. And so I write down quickly what those three things are, and I circle a couple ideas, and I'm able to give people solutions. I have people who do it once a year. You've all there like, yeah, I'm cool, man. I got a couple of ideas from it and I'm good. I organize those ideas and I can execute them when I get to it. So it really is about your business, your product, your service, and how much you can use it. But don't worry. You can be creative too. There is a recipe for this stuff. Just need to learn how. And my method teaches you how to be creative. What I love about the concept idea and execution it broadens your horizon into being open to new ideas coming your way, right? Most of us are stuck in the day-to-day. So if you look at Blockbuster, Blockbuster didn't have to go the way that it did. Why? Because they, they, they looked at themselves as a video rental store versus a media company. Netflix came in and they're like, we're not a video rental store, even though they were renting videos initially and DVDs, we're a media company and they saw the vision. And I think that's where they stood out and why Kodak and Blockbuster and why Apple, in a sense, almost went out of business, right? Just weeks away from from going out of business before Steve Jobs came and said, wait a second, we're too in the woods here. We got to step back and say, we have too many products. We have too much confusion. We got to speak to the audience. And he changed it around because he tapped into the creativity that you're speaking of. He looked at it from the top view and then went inward to understand what they can do, right? Right. We spend way too much time, you've all, working in our business than we do working on our business. Yep. And when you work in your business, all you're doing is moving the skew. You're moving the execution. 
And unless we're able to constantly look to those higher order level, the idea and the concept in my methodology, but it's really about stepping outside of that day-to-day, you know, sending emails, fulfilling orders, or whatever you're doing, and looking at the meaning behind it in a bigger level to allow yourself to be relevant, not only tomorrow, but the next day and the next week and the next year and so on and so forth. Really great conversation. So I have a couple more questions, last questions, but it's more about you and your transformation. How did your internal story evolve? The monkey mind story, what you tell yourself over time as you started getting into business at a young age and you had these big dreams, big hopes, and 25 years later, how did that story change in your mind? The story changed into, I think, an altruistic goal. I used to want to make the most amount of money, and I've, I've done really well, thank God, and you know all of that stuff. I can't complain. But now I almost want to give it all away. It's, it's crazy. Like if I were to talk to myself, you know, my 25-year-old self back then, it's like, you know, like, go, go, go. And now it's like, give, give, give. I, I just, I, I've made a business of it, which is wonderful. And it makes enough to keep everything going. And that's fantastic. Uh, but I, I just want to give stuff away now. I want to help people on their path. I want to help people. I want to give them information that, that's not taught out there. You don't go to business school, you don't get an MBA without being indoctrinated into the analytical world, right? You just do. That's what happens. You go to business and you graduate and you want to look at at the sheets all day. So I think that my message is helping people understand that there's a different way out there. I'm not saying get rid of the analytics. They're important to some degree, but really merging creativity and analytics together will elevate humanity. And my mission now is not so much how to squeeze every single penny out of revenue into profit, which was my goal for 20 plus years, Yuval. My goal now is how to squeeze as much knowledge as I can by doing podcasts and writing a book and speaking and doing workshops with different businesses on helping people genuinely helping them become more creative so that their lives can improve, that's an awesome, awesome way to live. And so my meaning has changed from extracting profit into giving knowledge. Hat number six, the philanthropist, and the hat that I'm most focused on right now. So buddy, you and I are on the same same page because Good after for you. a while- It'll change through life. It changes, yes, it changes because ultimately when you have the opportunity as you and I have, blessed opportunity to experience, create businesses, help other people. At one point or another, it comes time to give back. And I love that you're on that, um, on that journey. So Nir, tell us, where could we find you? Tell us about your book. Where could all the seven hatters purchase it? By the way, highly recommended. I'm in the middle of re- reading it. I'm about halfway through. I'll be finishing up in another couple of weeks. Uh, but really awesome book. So tell us where could they find you and what do they get? Thanks, Yuval. So the book's called The Creator Mindset. It's got 92 tools to unlock the secrets to innovation, growth, and sustainability. It's a McGraw-Hill release, so you can get it anywhere in the world. Any bookstore has it. It's available all out throughout the U.S. and Canada. Barnes & Noble has copies. Um, you can get it on Amazon. 
Uh, Amazon has copies. The Audible just came out of the book, so you can listen to it if you don't want to read it. They, they hired a, like a pretty impressive guy to read it. You know, he's very serious, and he reads everything with... Yeah, and I love it. I, I wanted to do it, but they were like, no, we'll have this guy do it. You know, you'll stop and tell jokes in the middle. And so I, I think they know me pretty well over there. Uh, but it, it's available on Audible. You can find me. It's near Bashan.com, N-I-R-B-A-S-H-A-N.com. I'm readily available. My email's on my website. Yeah, send me an email. Let me know what you think. I can't wait to hear what the Seven Hatters think of this book. I'm sure you're going to get a lot of questions and a lot of great emails. I am a fan for sure. I appreciate you being on the podcast and sharing your story. Nir, thank you very much. We'll see you soon. Thank you, Val. I hope that you enjoyed my conversation with Nir. Let's end today with a segment of the show that I refer to as, what can we hang our hat on? And here's my takeaway. Creativity is that spark of an idea that a business leader needs to gain the edge. More importantly, it's clear that creativity can be the critical difference between failure and success in our business ventures. The question is, can anyone be creative, including you? Nir says, yes. To be creative is to have the ability to solve problems in a way that no one else could do before. What we need is we need to disengage from the spreadsheets and re-engage our creativity to solve problems better and you can do so with a structured approach. And with Nier's simple three-step structure, it seems like something that all of us could succeed at. I'm certainly going to give it a go. I want to thank Nier once again for joining me so that we can all benefit from his wisdom. And until next time, if you found this episode helpful, please hit that subscribe button and tell other entrepreneurs out there what value you got from it so we can attract even more high-quality people into the Seven Hats community. So for now... I will bid you farewell and success on your journey. And until next time, my name is Yuval Selleck, and I tip my hat to you.